Listeners of True North Nerds, Brent here, and uh, I'm well. I'm not completely all by myself. The other the other nerds are not with me. I'm uh, on uh, Skype with yet another fun interview. Uh, this one got referred to us uh, by our good friend uh, Jay Fosgett, and I'm sitting with well, sort of sitting with virtually Gordon's. Uh, sorry, Smutter. Smooter, smooter. Sorry, <laughs> the worst part was is I just spent two minutes talking to this gentleman and trying to get his name right before I mispronounced it, and I still did it. And it's okay. He, we are sitting. Yes, <laughs> and he is the co-creator of Transylvania Television, which is, um, I guess the best way I can describe it is it's a show about a TV station. And it's all done in puppets, but it's not for kids necessarily. It's it's got some very adult jokes and themes to it, and it's a lot of fun. So um, thank you for joining us, Gordon. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you said it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll be honest. I rushed through uh, batches of it. I won't. I've had a very busy couple weeks, but I've been yep. able to sit down and uh, I watched most of the first season, and I've caught bits and pieces of the other ones just to make sure I sort of had an idea of um what you do and the mm-hmm. the fun part about it was well the the fun slash good part about it is is I hate when I do these things and I have to lie and I don't have to lie with this one I actually rather okay. like what I saw so um let's start off with um how would you sum up the show how would I sum up the show um uh, it, it's rather difficult, um, because even after 10 years of producing it, um, there are no words to describe an adult puppet show other than an adult puppet show. Um, and, and uh, one of our big problems is the word adult because that encompasses so many things, you know, we're not talking puppet porn here or anything yeah. like that. Um, but it's, we are not aiming at children. Um, so it's, it's, you know, puppets for grownups, question mark. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult. Um, we just don't have that sort of thing here in America. I'm sure in Europe, the, uh, you know, around other, other areas of the world, there's, you know, puppets are, are much taken much differently around the world than they are here. So, you know, it's, we, we lack the vo- vocabulary to properly describe what we're trying to do, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I I can completely agree with the uh, yeah. Uh, I guess adult is definitely it, it has connotations when you use that word for it. Uh, uh, I yeah. guess more along like you'd be aiming for the same sort of audience as like a, a Simpsons would be, but right, you know, yeah, that, that kind of thing. Not necessarily like like you said, not porn, obviously. But sure. there are, there are jokes that are definitely not aimed for children at this in sure. the show. Well, yeah, you know. So part of 
part of the thing that when we, when we started, um, it, it was important to us that we to make the distinction that uh, we were going to do kind of smart jokes. We were going to do um, stuff that kids wouldn't care about. Um, and uh, and I, I think that we did quite a bit of that. But I still have parents come to me and say, yeah, my kid loves the show. I'm like, you let your kids watch the show? <laughs> Fall <laughs> okay. by the thought in your head that you're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. I, actually, it's it's. I usually follow it up by saying, "Yeah, you know, if your kids get those jokes, it's not our fault." Ah, uh, that's it. That's a good deflection. <laughs> uh, so, um, what what would you say the the show is about exactly? Um, the show is technically about the adventures of. Uh, kind of a gang of monsters. Um, the one of the main characters is Count Lashak, who he's a vampire. He's a Nosferatu-style vampire. Um, he, he kind of felt his power waning in the modern world, and so decided to kind of up his game and get into this quote new medium of television <laughs> to <laughs> try to control the masses. Um, and uh, but he, you know, he himself has a lot of, of foibles uh, that that misdirect him. So he's, you know, he's constantly looking at money, and he's constantly looking at sex, and you know, he's he's got a lot of the same sort of drives as just about anybody. Um, and so he uh, he gets distracted along the way from his plan of world domination. But um, uh, he is also joined by uh, several other characters. There's Batfink, his right hand bat. Uh, there's uh, Hannibal von Bucket, who is a, a demon, um, who accidentally uh, ends up being part of the crew simply because his soul gets won in a game uh, by another character who is a yeti, uh, Furry J. Ackermonster, of course referring to our good friend, uh, the late Forrest J. Ackerman. Yeah, when I heard that name, I, I laughed and smiled all at the same time. <laughs> good, good. That's, that's, that's kind of... We, our, our furry is kind of one of kind of the main character of the show, um, and uh, we decided right away that our humor level would be in that famous monsters of film I'm sorry, film land sort of mode. You know, if we could make a bad pun about monsters or movie monsters or something, we would go that way because. Uh, uh, pretty much everybody who works on the show, we all kind of grew up in that monster culture in the '60s and '70s. Um, so we, you know, we naturally default to that kind of thing. Of course, puppeteers always go for puns anyway, so it's pretty natural. <laughs> so, what drew you guys to to making this show as a puppet show? Was it did the puppets come first? And then the show, or did the show idea come first, and then the the puppet sort of naturally fell into place, or was it all at the same time? Um, it was pretty organic. In um, let's see, the story the story essentially is: um, I worked in special effects for about twenty five years, and then I retired because I love puppets. Uh, well, I retired because I wanted to get out of that business, but. Uh, after that, I moved into puppets and puppetry. Um, while, while I was still working in effects, uh, I ran into my co-producer, Michael Hegel, who was doing an independent sci-fi movie. 
And I just I said to him, you know what? I've got a whole workshop at my disposal. If you want like props or something for this movie, then you know I can give you a hand. And I did that. We wrapped up that film. And afterwards, he was visiting me and saw a couple of these puppets I had hanging around. And he said, have you ever considered doing something with the puppets? And I said, of course. Of course I've considered doing something with the puppets. I just don't – I don't run a camera. I'm not a film guy. I don't – you know, I don't do lighting. I don't do sound. I'm just – you know, I'm the guy who builds things. And uh, so he said, okay, let's see what we can do about that. And – before I knew it, we were working together to kind of build this concept for a show. Um, at the time, we really had no idea where we were going to take it. Uh, but we wrote a half-hour pilot episode. Um, we filmed it, and uh, we actually uh, bought time on our local UHF station and played it broadcast here in Minneapolis. Um and then from there, we realized that that cost a lot of money. And so we <laughs> tur turned to the Internet, where it was pretty much free to just post stuff. Mm. Um, so that's what we did for quite a while. Um, but um, did I answer your question? <laughs> I don't, I, I, you got me talking. Sorry. I, oh, no. That's a, I, I, if uh, you get a chance to listen to my other interviews, I'm, more, I'm much more about the conversation than the actual questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes me a good interviewer or a bad interviewer, but um, that makes that makes you much like Johnny Carson. How's that was a good that was that was a compliment, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll definitely take that one, and I'll put it on the uh, the eventual book jacket that I of the book that I write about my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> that make that makes you much like Johnny Carson, <laughs> quoted from Gordon's word. I can just see that that would that, well, yeah, that'll carry a lot of weight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um going to you personally what what drew you to puppets and puppetry you, you said you worked in special effects and you were looking to get out of that why go into the the building and making and performing of puppets um um i'm gonna quote a song lyric okay no problem <laughs> um the house at Pooh corner um it's amazing to me how a few precious things seem to follow us all through our lives. That's the lyric. Okay. Um, puppets have been part of my consciousness my entire life. And, I, you know, it, it really is... I always hesitate in calling it a labor of love because then people immediately assume that you're doing it for free. Um, but puppets are something that has always fascinated me. Um, and then of course, uh, just, just the performance aspect has always, uh, astonished me. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the sixties and seventies just at the time when the Henson thing was flowering on television. Um, but there were also other puppets as well. Um, 99% of puppet input for, uh, kids of my era was coming from television anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had, uh, there was a Mr. Moose, a bunny rabbit on Captain Kangaroo. There was, uh, the land of make-believe on Mr. Rogers. There was Sesame street. There was the Muppet show. There was uh, international children's film festival with Kukla, Fran and Ollie, um, <laughs> you know, and on and on and on. Um, 
and the the those performing characters always fascinated me. And then, of course, later in life, when I realized that I had a pretty substantial knowledge base of building things, um, plus becoming, uh, I guess, in a way, a, a obsessive compulsive builder myself, um, I realized that I could I could reverse engineer what I saw on television uh, and start making those things for myself. Um, which is kind of where you know that that and thus, thus it brings us up to date where I had some puppets hanging around and Michael saw them and said, "Have you ever considered doing something with the puppets?" Um, but there's you know there there were lots of things in between. I mean, I, I worked in a banner factory where I learned how to use an industrial sewing machine. Um, I would I was into costuming for a very long time. I was uh, I would go to science fiction conventions and do costumes. So the sewing aspect of it was very familiar to me, um, and then there then there came you know learning all the other little tricks of of making quote television puppets. I don't want to I don't want to use the M word. <laughs> the the M word is currently owned by the mouse in short pants, it, who so, uh, who can be litigious when they want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Let me say I fully respect the mouse in short pants. Yes, but I also. I also fear the mouse in short pants. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's a there's a, a, a fearsome respect. How's that? Um. So, building the the puppets itself, what's the what's the build time like on? Because to to some people, these might seem very simple, but like from what I've seen of some of these types of puppets up close, it, it's not as simple as people might think it is. What's the, the build time from start to finish on a puppet? Um, it, it really completely depends on the design, um, which is always where you start. Um, there's, there, there isn't, there's never a time when a puppet just springs fully formed from, (laughs) from my sewing machine. Um, you have to sit down and, and, uh, think about what you want that character to look like. Um, what are they going to be doing? What kind of physical functions will that puppet have to produce? Uh, that kind of thing. So, um, boy, a rough guesstimate. Um, something that is a medium level kind of detail puppet. You're probably talking about two weeks. Um, you know, of of uh, you know a, a good portion of your day. Um, when I'm doing custom puppets for people. Um, I will, um, I will usually give myself about three weeks because there's always surprises that crop up. Um, no matter how familiar you are with building a puppet or building puppets in general, um, there's always a surprise, you know, there's always something that is because of the, 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 the brand new parameters that you have to look at, um, for every design, there's always an exception to, you know, oh, this should go, <laughs> this should go really easily. I, I don't have any problems with this. This should be easy. Well, there's always something that crops up. Um, like you and, try a new uh, material and like, oh, this doesn't sew like I thought it was going to or something along that. Right, kind of exactly. Um, you know, or you may find, you may find something that you may find a, a fabric with, with the, the exact finish you want on it. You know, it's like, oh, I want scales or something. Um, but then you find out that that fabric has absolutely no give to it. It's like canvas 
or something, and it just will not move as a puppet. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of things like that. Um, it, it's uh, people people may have a, a hard time understanding that as a finer point, but let's let's take a look at some of those uh, Henson puppets that were on television. Uh, there was a frog who was uh, a very simple puppet um, in, 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 this, in the scheme of things. Um, compare that, that puppet to a puppet like, um, let's see, uh, what's, a, what's a good example? Uh, Augra from the Dark Crystal. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know you're, you've got their puppets. They're really just simple puppets, but they're two completely different construction techniques. They're two completely different looks. They're two completely different functionalities, um, and so you know it, it's it's really hard to say you know oh yeah a puppet takes me seven days yeah because <laughs> you never know what the what the the, the requirements of that puppet are going to be until you get into it. And uh, I I think it's fair to say that they'll they'll each come with their own issues and good things and bad things like. I've seen like the simple puppet that you the the frog puppet you were referring to. Um I've seen outtakes from the Muppet show in Sesame Street where like arms just fall off or an eye pops out uh-huh. because of the materials they're made out of, right? Yep. So. Yep. Oh there's a there's a okay, I'll just use a name. There's a, there's a fantastic outtake. Um when they when they used to do the when the Muppet show used to be on the air, they would do these short little tiny short um you know, hey, tune into the Muppet Show Sundays at six PM or whatever it was. Yeah, um, and and they were doing a great. Uh, they did a, a series of Kermit and Fozzie standing next to each other, and you know, Kermit would say, "Hey, tune into the Muppet Show," blah blah blah, and Fozzie would say something funny. Um, there was one that they used that I've I've only ever seen once. Um, Fozzie had a problem. Every so often, his jaw would lock, and <laughs> um, quite literally, uh, Kermit says in this spot, Kermit says, uh, tune into the Muppet Show, blah, blah, blah. Fozzie says, yeah, watch the frog and the bear, and his mouth is stuck wide open. And you hear Frank Oz from below saying, my mouth is stuck. And they actually use that as a promo for the Muppet Show. <laughs> So I, you know, I I think that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, I I grew up in the age of where the the Muppets were king, so I I completely get where you're coming from. I I've always yeah. contended one of the funniest things in the world was whenever um, one of the Muppets got hit, and it was basically the the puppeteer taking the puppet and throwing it across the stage. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, yep. just the look of the the Kermit puppet or the the Gonzo puppet as it just was roughshodedly thrown. It just always gets the, a laugh out of me. The limp, <laughs> flapping arms as it flies across the across yeah, the exactly. Stage. Um, so Boy. out of the oh, was that the alarm letting you know our interview was was scheduled? <laughs> um. I, I I have I have alarms set throughout my day yeah. because uh, I, I I need to refocus every so often. I'm I'm, I'm very uh, uh, I'm like a magpie. 
Okay. <laughs> oh, look, a shiny thing, and I'm off, you know. No, so, no worries. Uh, I, I, I have alarms set to, uh, to refocus me. Um, that's going to be going off again in five minutes because I accidentally hit the snooze button. Nah, that's but, um So, um, yeah, so we, uh, we, we, did a, we did a show. We did our own show called Transylvania Television. Yeah. Um, it's completely independent. At least it has been. Uh, we have funded it ourselves. Um, we wrote it, we created it, we built it, we uh, got it on the air. Um, we've, we've actually been on digital cable, on, uh, uh, on a network there. We've, we've been broadcast. Um, we have, we're, we're on Hulu, we're on, uh, Tubi TV, um, several different, uh, places, but, uh, what we're really doing right now is pushing for our stuff, which is being hosted by a new platform called Sika.tv. Yeah, I was going to ask you um, about that. Um, what led to kind of this collaboration? Um, one of our producers is a teacher uh, who he, he teaches video production for a business college. Okay. And... Uh, the, the the guy who created Sika.tv was one of his students. Oh, um, okay. And so after and you know, he he took a class from Troy, and uh, uh, later on, after he developed this new platform for video distribution, uh, he approached Troy and said, "Hey, I I seem to remember you guys did a show. Do you want to be part of our launch?" And of course, we said yes. <laughs> I mean, why not? So uh, Sika.tv is currently hosting our existing catalog, which uh, we have five half hours. Um, and then we have a one-hour Halloween special that we did. Um, and then they also gave us just a little tiny bit of money, and we did three more brand-new episodes of Transylvania Television. And those will be coming up in October. Actually, it is October, so those will be coming up in late October. Um Somewhere around the twenty sixth. So, yeah. So right before Halloween, which is perfect timing. Yep. You bet. That's exactly. That was. um, It's serendipitous that that happens to be the case. Uh, I would like to say that we absolutely planned for it to be that, but um, it it uh, it just kind of worked out that way. And it's kind of funny because our our all of our big things that have happened have all ended up sometime around Halloween. Um, and I don't, I don't know how it, I don't know how it, 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 uh, karmically sort of blended into that, but it did. And I'm totally cool with it. Um, we all love Halloween and that's part of the reason why we're doing the show. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's perfect for monsters, right? So oh, yeah. you've, you've been at, you said that you've more or less been at the, the show for 10 years. What are the, the challenges to, doing a show like this independently because as you said you guys have been doing all the writing you do the puppet building you everything's on you guys what's the it, what's been the the major hurdles like it as you said the internet kind of that part sort of free but it, it also takes a lot to get money out of the internet for things as well yes um which is why my wife and i are still uh, way in debt <laughs> um 
you know, they always say never make a film with your own money. Well, we didn't really have much choice. Does anybody so, really uh, listen to that advice, though? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Well, nobody who's successful anyway. Yeah. Um, you have to be successful in order to take that advice. So, uh, but, uh, boy, produce, producing any professional level thing is, uh, there, there, there are a ton of hurdles, really, um, you know, just starting from the script, uh, you have to have a competent script writer, um, between myself and Michael and, uh, a couple of our other guys, uh, particularly a guy named Jim Hibbler. There it is, the alarm. <laughs> there we go. So, um, but, uh, you know, and then we decided, oh yeah, we're going to do comedy. So comedy itself has a whole bunch of different things that you got to watch out for. Um, you know, what, what kind of comedy are you dealing with? And, uh, uh, it may be funny to you, but is it funny to an audience? So, you know, there's, there's our, there's our first, our first hurdle. Then it's, uh, then of course, as the guy who's, who's building all the puppets, who's creating the physical avatars for these characters, um, the, the script writers, of course, will just write whatever comes into their head. So... Oh, we happen to have a parody this week, and it's a parody of Game of Thrones, and there's 80 characters, and <laughs> you just go, uh, no, because there's I'm four not characters. <laughs> there are less than two characters, and <laughs> and one of them happens to be the Yeti. <laughs> you know, that's um, that's kind of the thing that has to happen. Uh, we when you're operating on a budget, you have to write for that budget. Um, and our budget is next to nothing. So um, we try really, really hard to maximize uh, our, our uh, uh, visual value. Um, I happen to be really good at scrounging. So a great portion of the props and things that you see on the show have been scrounged. Uh, I, I visit the local thrift stores every week. Um, looking for things that might be useful. Uh, but I was also a prop builder. So when it comes to doing things like uh, we need a coffin or we need a, we need a puppet sized coffin, there's the, there's the rub. Um, those sorts of things. If, if I'm not building it, I know somebody who can. So, but, uh, and then you've got things like uh, music. Boy, we don't do musical numbers on the show. That's yeah. not our, our gig. And I, I, I made a statement early on uh, when we started producing the show. I said, we will never, ever do musical numbers. And everybody looked at me funny. And they're like, well, but these are puppets. You know, don't puppets do musical numbers? And I'm like, okay, you got to think about this. We're not the Muppets. We are our own thing. <laughs> we kind of look like the Muppets in some cases. But... The Muppets will be always the paragon of musical numbers with puppets. There's no way we're ever going to do better than they did. So let's not go there. Let's establish our own ground. And, uh, of course, you know, all of the, <laughs> all of the Weisenheimers that I work with immediately said, oh, so no music at all. <laughs> and that has been kind of an inside joke with us the entire time that we've been producing the show. Um, 
if if a character ever comes out and kind of starts singing or you know says something in a sing-songy way everybody turns and says no singing <laughs> it's like uh that's not what i said that's not what i said no musical numbers that's what i said <laughs> um but when you're producing a show you have to have incidental music you have to have background music you have to have you know a theme song and uh, uh, I, I've got zero in that department. I mean, less than zero. I've got a horribly tin ear, and, and th- that is way, way, way outside my wheelhouse. Luckily, my co-producer and several other people involved uh, are good music people, and they know how to, you know, deal with that sort of thing. So I, I, I'm more than happy to hand those duties off to them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's so many things: special effects, and lighting, and sound, and <laughs> um, you know, people. A lot of people will say, "Hey, let's make a movie." I've got a camera, <laughs> yeah. and and you know, that's that's how it goes. Um, to your guys' credit, though, the show looks like it from just an aesthetic point of view. Looks great. Like, it's, like, yeah. Are you competing? Or can you look like the Muppets? No, but you also don't have the big ma- the mouse and the short pants material money behind right. you, right? So, yeah. but it it looks very good for what you guys have to be dealing with. As you said, your budget is is very small, and it's done independently. But it looks really good, and sure, I think yeah. that's more important than how much it costs. I'm, I'm extremely happy to hear you say that. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we always look at our work with a critical eye and uh, we always see every flaw that's in it. So uh, having, having someone who independently looks at it and goes, Hey, that looks really good. That's, that's a, that's a, a, a big source of pride for us. Your puppet uh, building, especially too, is, is really at, at least to, to my untrained eyes. Like it's, I I have seen worse on network TV, so in, in my in my opinion, so I think that's a pretty good thing as well. Very cool, and I, I certainly appreciate the compliment. So uh, before we go, um, and I'm always curious of hearing this from creators who have multiple characters on a show. Which is your favorite? Do you do you have a favorite child out of out of the the litter, or is there are they all sort of special in different ways? Um, uh, I think the most comfortable character uh, is is Furry Acker Monster. That's my character. Um, I originated him. Um, he, I mean, he he really uh, when when people ask you know someone like Frank Oz, you know how much of of Fozzie Bear is you and he says, Oh, you know, it's a part of me. It's whatever. Furry really is there. There's a, there's a huge chunk of my personality in furry. Mm. Um, uh, but then, you know, I also, I also do a character called, uh, Gorzon, the cosmic destroyer. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he's, uh, Gorzon is, is this, um, uh, like a robot monster looking guy. He's got a gorilla body and he's got like a space head. Mm. Um, and uh, one of uh, spoilers, look out! Uh, one of the one of the scripts that we wrote was the fact that uh, Gorzon really wasn't a monster. He actually was an old, out of work actor pretending to be a monster 
<laughs> so that he could have a, have a job at the station. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, and so one uh, it, the, the the thing that that caused his downfall was that he was uh, a, a basically a monster bigot. Um, he he would. Uh, um, uh, he he had a thing against what what we're calling dug ups, so the undead. Um, there's like a racism thing <laughs> among monsters, uh, and uh, so uh, he would uh, he would refer to the undead characters in the show as dug ups, and uh, um, one of our our zombie character um, eventually found out that this wasn't like a really mo- a real monster, and uh, exposes him. But uh, um, one of the other things that kind of gives Gorzon away is that he's a thespian. And so uh, at one point he's being interviewed on one of the shows within the show. And uh, it's, it's like, well, what are, you do- what are you doing now that you're not trying to take over the planet Earth? And he says, well, I'll be starring as Tevya in uh, the uh, Transylvania Community Theater's production of Fiddler on the Roof. And... You know, you can get tickets next week. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I really, I, I enjoy that character because he's super overblown. And, yeah. Uh, um. Very, very much a, 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 you know, an actor kind of, uh, kind of character. But, um, and uh, up until recently, I, I performed uh, one of the female characters on the show. Um, our, uh, our Egyptian. Princess, um, mummy character, uh, Kim Hotep. Uh, when we first introduced her in the Halloween special, I tried. I tried for six months to find a female puppeteer who was trained to do camera work. Could not find somebody, much less find an African-American female puppeteer to play this role, because that's what the character is. Yep. She is an African-American female mummy character. And it just, uh, everybody turned and looked at me and said, well, you, you have the puppet. You should just perform it. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, I was so uh, daunted by this possibility. Um, and uh, so I performed her. And we eventually handed that character off to Renee, who uh, came along much later in production. Um, you know, we've been training her in as a puppeteer. She's, she's picking it up great. Um, and we've been trying to get her to do more of the female characters on the show simply because I would prefer to have a female puppeteer under a female character. Um, you know, Frank Oz did a great job with Miss Piggy. Can't argue that, but, you know, uh, we live in a different time. <laughs> or you know we're 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 at a point in our history where you know it's I would just rather have a female playing a female that yeah, one, no, it, uh, it makes it so much simpler <laughs> so much simpler um cool another great thing about about Kim Hotep is uh when when we first designed her as a character uh we both Michael and I agreed that she needed to be very much like um uh, coffee. I can't. Oh my god! I can't remember her name. It's out. Oh, off the top. Uh, Pam Greer. Pam Greer. There you go. I thank you. Um, and uh, so we we sort of we we geared her t- in that direction. We wanted her to be a little like Pam Greer. 
And uh, my wife and I do a lot of comic book conventions, and we'll go and we'll set up, you know, in Artist Alley, and we'll sell puppets and that sort of thing and promote the show. Well, we went to Atlanta Comic Con, and Pam Greer was a guest. And my wife was like, Pam Greer is here. Take that puppet over to her. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And she's like, well, screw it. I'll do it. So she took the puppet, and she ran over to Pam Greer's table. And she said the first thing out of Pam Greer's mouth was, you made a puppet of me. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so uh, Pam was uh, was very vocal about uh, what she thought the character should do on the show, uh, which we have, uh, you know, we've kind of folded those those thoughts in and uh, tried to bring her in, uh, uh, you know, in character wise to uh, to honor our uh, our prototype, Pam Greer. Uh, do you ha- do you have uh, a photo of her uh, Pam Greer meeting the puppet? Yes, I do. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> great! <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, so, for our listeners at home, uh, once again, where can they find Transylvania Television? Transylvania Television. It w- it would be great if you would go to Sika TV. That's S E E K A dot TV. And look us up. There's a little, there's a button right there. As soon as you land on that page, there's a little castle in a box. And you just press that button and it'll take you to our channel. And uh, you can watch the shows for free. They're up there for free. You don't have to pay nothing. And then you you enjoy that. And then later on this month, uh, later on in October, there will be three brand new episodes for you to view there. And the reason why I'm really pushing that is because Sika.tv is a brand new uh, uh, platform. Um, if we do BAFO numbers, if we do good numbers, it's highly possible that they will fund us for a full season. And that's actual funding. That's money. <laughs> so, you know, I'm begging you, please go to Sika.tv, <laughs> watch our puppets, and enjoy them, because that's what they're there for. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, talking to me, Gordon. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Set your phasers to sexy. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds. On Facebook, under, surprise, True North Nerds. And you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy. And now something completely different. A quick hello from me. It's Jeff Woods, radio guy, a writer, Brent's friend and associate. 
used to do the Legends of Classic Rock, which morphed into the Records and Rockstars radio series, which is heard on Rock 95 and Barry Sunday evenings at 9, same time, Q107 Toronto on Sunday evenings. And I wrote a book called Radio Records and Rockstars, and it's time to do the audiobook now. And as you might imagine, 400 pages deep, rich with music, artist interviews too, takes a lot of time and production and money. So I've started a GoFundMe campaign. And you can find out more about it at jeffwoodsradio.com. Thanks. <laughs>